Thank you for listening to or watching the Upland Down Under podcast. Tonight's show is recording live on Wednesday, the 27th of September at 7.30 p.m. AEST. On tonight's show, we'll catch up on some crypto and Upland market news as always, and then dive into some general Upland news, including checking in on the September neighborhood ratings collection battle. Uh, there's some shenanigans and drama going on that was related to both the upcoming Totem Reveal Chapter 2 sales and also the recent Upland Cafe events. There's the UGC Kaboom partnership and, of course, the supposedly very huge September reveal that Upland continues to hype up, but uh, they're kind of quickly running out of time for. The main topic for this evening will, of course, be trying to unpack the quick maths associated with the neighbourhood ratings scores to try and get some insight into how St. James has come from seemingly out of nowhere to more than likely crush poor old Monero's chance at securing the September Neighbourhood Collection win. Have to wait and see. We've also got some additional Web3 and Meet Suitiverse news to cover, equips on the future of Totems and STEM, and, of course, I'll be outlining a new weekly contest challenge for the NBA so far. All that and more on this, the Upland Down Under podcast. If you're wondering how you can take part in the live recordings of this very podcast, well, you have to be in the MBA server. The link to that is in the description. And I drop the link to the Zoom every Wednesday night at about 7.15 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Doesn't look like we've got Swally in this week or Lily, so it's going to be hopefully a very quick show as I just race through the list of stuff to cover. We'll see how we go. First off, of course, we have the Breaking Badly news. And we're going to take a look at what's currently happening in some of the crypto and upland markets. And my gosh, what a roller coaster we're on with the crypto. One week we're up, one week we're down. It's all over the bloody place. So global crypto market cap down almost 2%, was 1.07 trillion last week, down to 1.05 this week. Bitcoin dominance down 0.6%. Um, it's interesting, Bitcoin dominance is down, but then a lot of the other shitty coins are down as well, which is unusual. What can we actually see? Well, Bitcoin itself is down 3%, 3.1% was 27,000 last week, 26,245. Ethereum down 2.6%, back flirting with 1,500. And everything except Tron in varying degrees of down, 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 down. It seems like one week it's green, by small margins. Next week, it's red by small margins. It's just that horrendous sideways chop. Nothing else major sticking out, although, like I said, my my favorite Tron is managing to stay green despite all of the red, but nothing monumental like wax is only down 0.7%. Um, it's fractions of a penny, fractions of fractions, um, ripples down, you know, 0. 0.022 cents uh very little happening really other than it's just a general downtrend from last week and that's kind of reflected in the fear and greed index as well still well not still last week we were back in the neutral zone on 42 this week we're back in the fear on 38 so i thought well with all this chop and sideways action that's going on i wonder what the actual pundits are saying about all of this the crypto pundits i kind of stopped listening or watching any sort of crypto influences or reading any of the news back in the day because it was just kind of overwhelming and it just seemed to get you to FOMO into more things than it was worth. If that sounds like familiar in Upland kind of in the Upland realm, well, yeah, that's pretty much true too. So what do we got here? So I did do a bit of clickety clacking around just before just to see, well, what is, what is actually going on? 
what's the general vibe? So this article stuck out to me. It says the headline is, will Bitcoin recover as usual in October? October has been a month of recovery for BTC price over the last three years, but crypto analysts remain skeptical that history will repeat. Um, yada, yada, yada. What does it say here? Where's a quote? Ah, oh, here we go. Over the past three years, October has consistently emerged as Bitcoin's best performing month with this positive seasonality often, ex- what the hell is that word? Extensliding into the first quarter of the following year. However, according to the pundit, the cryptocurrency landscape this year presents a unique set of challenges. All right, so what does it go on to say? Before 2022, Bitcoin had never operated in an environment where interest rates exceeded 2%. Interesting. Presently, the federal fund rates have surpassed 5% and central banks worldwide are expected to maintain higher rates as they grapple with inflationary pressures. Yes, Um Definitely interest rates in Australia are definitely creeping up there, although they've remained stagnant the last couple of checks. So old mate Ted Macro emphasised that this unprecedented interest rate landscape introduces an element of uncertainty, raising questions about whether Bitcoin's traditional seasonal pattern will hold or if the cryptocurrency will chart a different course. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. What's there? There's a suggestion here that an upward movement could propel Bitcoin back towards the 29,200 level, which isn't a huge jump from where we're at, the 26, 27 mark. Um, according to the discourse, Mustache, which is the name of a crypto analyst, I don't know why I'd put much value in somebody who's calling themselves Mustache, but anyway, he or she has pointed out striking similarities between Bitcoin's current trajectory and its 2013, 2015, and 2018, 2023 performance, drawing parallels with the past and showing the chart below. Mustache anticipates high volatility in October 2023, setting the stage for potentially significant price movements. Well, that's what I'm waiting to see. Significant price movements either up or down because this sideways chop is just getting very boring and very old very quickly. Is 30K a possibility in October? That said, while Bitcoin's ongoing support at 25,000 is encouraging, blah, 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 blah. A significant hurdle facing Bitcoin is the formidable resistance at 29,500 coupled with the psychologically significant milestone of 30,000. Yeah, all of those round numbers always see big walls either side of those. Um, crypto, uh, credible crypto, one among renowned crypto analysts today shared short-term scenario for BTC price. As per his chart, Bitcoin is yet to surpass key resistance and will c- continue to move sideways. Ugh. He highlighted the 25K to 26K price range as a great opportunity to enter with high risk, uh, with high risk reward ratio. Yeah, so unfortunately, I think we're in for a hell of a lot more sideways chop just yet. We'll have to wait and see. That's the crypto. Let me go back to the numbers and I'll move a few things out the road and we can see what's happening in Upland. 90 day average volumes, the transaction volume this week, we're down again 0.2%. And yes, the 90 day average trading volume has gone below 2,000, down 3.2% this week to 1,991, which we were expecting was going to happen. Nothing I can see in the short term appears that it's going to turn that around anytime quick. Have to wait and see. Unique active wallets for the seven days down 2% from last week. So we're down to 51,170. Unminted properties, we had 2,275 properties minted through the week. 
which leaves us with 305,234. Still plenty of properties out there. If, like LeBan, who's in the call, you've just received some Upex and you're ready to go shopping. So percentage of properties minted still flat on 92%. Um, now, the cities themselves, I did... Again, I went and had a look at Detroit, London, and all the ones marked in red with the locked properties. As I keep saying, take all of these numbers with a grain of salt because it's not infallible. Um, I did go and check some of these ones that had massive swings, like uh, where are we, Buenos Aires. There was a few other ones, Las Vegas, um, Oakland. There's a few there that I checked. Well, normally if there's a big swing like that, maybe it's a sign that there's something up with the numbers. But all of the ones that I did, um, take some time to check. They're all legit. So who knows? Arlington up on the UPX, down on the USD, fairly healthy up on the UPX, up to 14,500. Um, that's 10% up. What else is sticking out? Double digits. Birmingham up 10, almost 11% on the USD. Uh, was sliding towards that $3 floor. Last week it was $3.50, but it's bounced back to $3.93 this week. Um, Buenos Aires, as I said, massive drop down 33%. Um, it's gone the other way. Uh, it was off the $3 floor, was $3.99 this week, and he's back to $3 this week, hence the big drop. Chicago, ooh, look at that. It's had a big drop on the UPX price. Somebody's bailing out of the holdings there as well. So that's down 13.4%, back down to 5200 Uh Dallas. USD down 16.7% was just under $7 last week. Now, just under $6. Um, little bits and pieces here, there, and everywhere. Las Vegas, as I said, down 19.4%. $5.30 last week, $4.40 this week, $4.44. Oh, one thing I forgot to do was to chart out which ones are the best buyers and sells. Whoops, I'll try to remember to do that next week. Had plenty of time tonight too. Um, what else? Double digits. Nashville is down on the UPX, was 7,880 last week, down to, oh, someone's playing around with the numbers here, 69,069 UPX. Good on you. Oakland, as I said, down 25%, was just under $5, now just under $4, and then a little bit of all over the place. And what's happening in Tokyo? I've got to move this out the road. Tokyo has had a bit of a boost, up 9.1% on the UPX, was 19,900, up to 21,900 this week, and also up 8.6% on the USD, was $8.45, up to $9.25. So a bit like the Bitcoin price, we're a bit kind of choppy here, there, and everywhere. Um, I did say last week that I was going to do a few tests of buying the UPX floor to sell for USD. I didn't actually do any of that because I made a couple of... FOMO-ish purchases through the week, shall we say. And um, I've kind of getting close to a round, nice rounded off um, figure to have there in my account ready for some future stuff as well. So see how I go. If I can get back over that, that nice rounded off number, I'll have a play around. Probably what I would like to do, which might be interesting, is to, is to pick one off the floor in, say, the top six cities that have the best... Um, the best spread between buying for UPX and selling for USD. And I'll mint, well, not mint, I'll buy them all at once and I'll just track how long it actually takes for those to flip, whether it takes, you know, five hours, 10 hours, 48 hours. Um, as I said, that, that's my plan. Whether I get to it or not, we'll have to wait and see. And I said that Zoe's jumped in. Hey, Zoe. How are we doing, mate? Hi. 
How are you going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Today's been a good day compared to most. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad you jumped in because we got no Swali this week and I know Lily was likely to take a break. So I appreciate you, you taking some time out of your evening to jump in. It's all right. I managed to catch it tonight. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, feel free at any stage to jump in and tell me to shut the hell up and have your say. No way. Save me from myself. We got a few things to cover. Let's see if I can find my notes where we're at. We covered the Bitcoin. Ah, yes, September neighborhood ratings. Now, wasn't isn't this a turn up for the works? So let's see if it's going to play nicely and load for me. Sometimes it zoinks out. Ah, oh, yes, it is going to reload. Fantastic. So while that's trying to do that, I will do something sneaky and sneak on over to my numbers. So I did record this. Well, I did try to get this. Earlier, hang on, screen shares pause. Let me get out of there. Where are we? Here we are. So, yeah, if you didn't see, um, all through September, we've been saying Monero's got this one in the bag for the the September neighborhood ratings collection. And what do you know? In the last week or so, it looks like they might be pipped at the post by St. James. Now, St. James is a fairly large neighborhood in London, and they're currently well out in front although the figures aren't you know they don't seem that much difference knowing how much work it takes to actually get that to do that little bit extra and yeah the oh no here it is it's actually come up so i can stop stalling for time let's see (laughs) here we go this is what i'm banging on about so yes monero had had it in the bag as i said for most of the month um Midterm terrorists, we weren't really going to do anything with that, so we were never going to be a threat. Um, we were thinking maybe Greenwich Village might come up and and give them a run for their money because we know that they were on a push, but they're probably that's probably more like an October October thing there. But yeah, St James has just come completely out of the blue and just taken over the number one spots. Um, as I said, that that it, this is going to be the main topic to the, for tonight, so I won't bang on about that too much. And I think we'll probably just leave it there for the time being. So good on you, St. James. I know there is a fairly large community at play there as well. So that brings us on to the shenanigans aspect that I mentioned. Now, if you didn't catch this one, I know Desjack was talking about it in the Upland General channel last night. There's a few different people going backwards and forwards saying, um, when the totem reveal chapter two, once all that stuff was getting uh, bandied about and published, not published, um, spruced about by Upland, there was a timer over here on the what do they call it? The Upland Me slash Totems page. And what do you know? Some somewhere or somehow along the line, all of this got reset. So nobody, none of the kind of community managers seem to have an answer as to why it was reset. All they kind of, from what I saw, all I was saying is, yes, this is the correct one. So if you're listening on the Spotify, we've got a timer here. It says four days, six hours, 40 minutes, 15 seconds and counting. But this was already supposedly, it should have already been done based on an earlier, the original timer that was put out there. Zoe, have you had your finger on the pulse? Has there been any chatter about this in the cafe or anything? Uh, not that I have heard, but I was anticipating it, you know, within the next day or so, not mm. another four point, 
one days. <laughs> yeah, well, that brings us, what is it, 30 days has September. So one, two, so that's where into October. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Now, the, there has been a bit of chatter on Twitter as well about this. Um, it's one of those situations where it, you know, for whatever reason, maybe the first timer was wrong or maybe something happened and they had to reset it. Well, just take 10 minutes out of your day, Upland, and put an announcement. Give us some information because at the moment there's kind of all sorts of speculation kicks off and, you know, people had made plans about this and the other thing. A um, little bit of information goes a long way. And I have, believe it or not, I have seen people almost get stabbed based on turning clocks back without telling people what's going on. Maybe it's might be a story for another time, but back in my working in the slaughterhouse days, one of the foremans, there used to be one big clock up on the wall. And where if we were running short of the kill count for the day, he'd just slowly wind the clock back. And then like you'd finish work at 4.30, you'd go and get changed, you get in your car and it's like quarter past five. And you're like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? So oh, he- that's sneaky. Oh, he got in big trouble. And you can imagine the um, the characters that you get in the slaughterhouse, they, they don't muck around. So, yes. So, as I said, Upland, if if you have to do something like that, that's all well and good. Just let us know what's going on. Should yeah, be- well, I've got to be up at like 2, 3 in the morning or something to be involved. So... <laughs> Yes. Well, what are we, six hours? So we're 8 p.m. now, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. It's that bang on 2 a.m. time. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. So I'm assuming this timer, that's for the actual sale and the registration will be 24 hours in advance of that, I would assume. I'm guessing so as well. Yeah, that's usually the way it plays out. But yes, um yeah, I definitely want to get hold of one of these totems. I was a bit iffy about the dragonfly and the palm tree, but both the wolf and the toucan look really cool. So I would definitely like to get my hot little hands all over one or hopefully two of those. Other news, where we at? Ah, the Kaboom Partnership. Now, this was something pretty cool that I know some members of the Upland community uh, got this all up together and running and have been heavily involved in this. It just goes to show what you can do if you have an idea and you're willing to put time, effort and energy in to actually seeing it through to fruition. Um, if you didn't see this one, it's pretty cool. We do have a bunch of new map assets on the way, uh, kids' playgrounds and whatnot. So we've got here introducing Kaboom. We're excited to announce that Kaboom is coming to Upland. It's a dynamic and visionary nonprofit organization that's been reshaping the landscape of communities across the United States for over two decades to end place space inequality. Yada, yada, yada. So I believe, who was involved in this? I believe this is one of Dak's um, perpetual good in the metaverse. I believe it's one of his baby projects. And he got on board with Shaq and Tosshead. Yeah, Toss and Shaq both designed the map assets, I believe, and provided them to Dak. Yes, so this is very cool. Now, this is happening relatively soon as well. Again, I'd love if they, when they put this stuff out, give us an idea of what they're going to cost so people can start saving, putting some funds away. Um, But she's pretty sparse on details here. 
So uh, one of the things, another thing that I forgot to do, I was going to go and check out the um, the factory that's producing these assets and go and check all those out, but I forgot. Sorry about that. But I didn't forget to click on and find out, well, what's Kaboom? What's the actual website all about? So looking at the Kaboom website now, it's got all the usual space. It goes into basically fleshes out what's said in the Upland stuff in a lot more detail. Seems like a very cool, very cool thing. Um especially in different parts of America, it makes a huge difference. Now, it was interesting when I was looking at the website, there's a tab up here for partners. I'm like, okay, partners, that sounds good. We love when Upland has these um, kind of partnerships or things that they do. But as I have started to bang my very verbose drum about, it kind of sucks how the partnerships are all always one-sided. Upland does all the advertising and selling, but it never gets reciprocated. Well, Maybe we could be lucky in this case. So I clicked on the partnership button and leadership partners. No, I wouldn't expect it to be in there. Nothing there. Signature partners. No, nothing there. Partners in play. Maybe just a little, just a little, you know, just a, a little hyperlink or something. No, nothing. So there's nothing at all on the website at all for Kaboom about what's happening in Upland. Is that to be expected? Maybe consider it's a new thing. Maybe because it's a UGC, it's a user-generated content thing. I just personally, I just don't like that whole vibe where they create partnerships and it's just us buying stuff and it never gets it never gets promoted on the other end. I don't know. That's just me being a fuddy old bastard again. Not really fud. That's not that's not really fair on myself. Just no, um, well, it's noticeable. Yeah, I just mean, wishing for better, I suppose. What do you think, Sally? Um, I think that the the way Upland deals with their partnerships is going to evolve over time. Uh, I think at the moment a pattern has been established, and that's why it's being noticed. Mm. Um, it would be really, really good to see that dynamic change. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd love to see, you know, yeah, first of all, that dynamic change, but some work being done on the front end. So when Upland announces these things, if you do go over to the partner's website, well, there's already stuff in place there, whether it be like a little banner ad or something, you know. Yeah. Rather than it all comes out and then maybe, say at some stage later in the game, maybe there might be something to come out so there was nothing on the kaboom website so i decided to just do a bit of clickety clacking around and pretty cool though there was there was an article that came up about it so this is on believe it or not cryptopia how do you say that cryptopolitan.com which is kind of cool so upland takes philanthropy to the metaverse nfts to support equitable playground access and this came out five days ago so yeah and the TLDR, too long, didn't read version is Upland is launching an NFT collection to fundraise for Kaboom. Yes, yes, yes. The initiative blending metaverse assets with tangible charitable goals marks Upland continued efforts in digital philanthropy following previous successful collaborations with UNICEF Brazil. Um, yeah, they've done a whole bunch of these. Um, yeah, it's not just those two. It seems like something, it's definitely something that Upland seems committed to wanting to pursue at any opportunity. Um, goes on to more details here. Now, I did flick through. There was something. 
It's stuck out to me. Playgrounds for a cause, the NFT sale. Okay, embracing the model, Upland is launching an exclusive NFT playground collection consisting of 1,800 NFTs. The sales from these NFTs will be channeled directly to Kaboom, although Upland will retain a nominal 10% transaction fee. That's standard, yes. A fascinating aspect of this endeavor is the visibility of the minting process. Participants of the metaverse can witness an in-game representation, a factory diligently producing these virtual playgrounds. This engaging spectacle is scheduled to commence on Thursday with the first wave of sales rolling out by Friday. Interesting. Okay. So as I said, you can go over to the Kaboom factory at the moment and see what they are building. Um. The engaging spectacle is scheduled to commence on Thursday. So I guess that means the first lot will be finished manufacturing and starting to roll off and be moved over to the showroom on Thursday. First while the sales rolling out by Friday. Is this going to be another case of like the gnomes and the chess pieces where it's just you got to be there and you got to be sitting there on the showroom every time they mint and three minutes later you set your timer and you try and gobble them up what do we think uh, I, I would guess so um, unless Upland is going to the effort of putting them in the in the special sales section mm. like they did with the UNICEF block explorers and stuff yep with the register and then go in the crapshoot yeah. for the for the queue hmm I, I actually think I would prefer that that process than having to be on the Kaboom showroom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's a tricky one because I know if you go for the registration process, that's just a total crapshoot. And what you're dealing with there is there's just no escaping that that's just a an absolute crap load of multi-accounters that all register for that. And then as we're seeing now with these um, totem passes and the stock car post, uh, stock car passes, the, the secondary prices of those are just through the roof now because a lot of these multi-accounters are basically just pumping the floor. Um, so that's that's if they go the... That, yeah, I'd suppose... I'd suppose with every... Um, mitigation that Upland puts in, it it would force them to change their systems and processes, like how how like what angle they're going for. So yeah, that makes sense that they'd start targeting a lot of the sales for that reason. Yep, which um, you know introduce KYC to being able to register for these things, and that will remove a large chunk of that. I'd love to see that happen. But yes, the, the other way is, yeah, you got to park yourself on the showroom and do that fight. There's, in Australia, it's pretty hard for us to compete with those because, um, you know, the internet speeds and, you know, the distance from the servers and yada, 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 we're really behind the eight ball as far as what we can do. And that's pretty frustrating to think you've got it, you've got to quickly place it on your property somewhere and you press OK, buy, and then zoink. No, you're too slow. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, there's 1,800 of them, so perhaps we did see this with uh, the gnomes. The initial probably first week of the gnomes, everyone was going crazy and it was virtually impossible to get one. But then 
people just burn out their funds on what they're willing to spend. And then after that, it was pretty easy to get them. We also saw this with the Jackie Sai structure ornaments. The initial ones of those were really hard to get, but then there was, in the end, there was just hundreds and hundreds on there and you could pick them up as you wanted. So I have to wait and see. Um, what else does it say here? Adding a touch of community-centric authenticity. The NFT playground designs emanate from an uplander with graphic artistry pro prowess. So, that, yeah, that's the, what has it got? The Tosh Shack connection. Danny Brown-Wolf mentioned that there are five distinct playground designs within the collection. Upon purchasing, users can seamlessly integrate these playgrounds into their virtual backgrounds, elevating their personal metaverse experience. Yes. All right. So, I don't know. That's pretty cool. I'd love to see them on racetracks. Oh, like when you're zooming past to see them? Yeah, yeah, the little playgrounds and that sort of thing on like whatever reserves might be by the um, – although we can't utilise reserve spaces at the moment, but like still it would be really cool to see it out the front of somebody's property, zoom past. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I uh, had the Midtown Terrace – racetrack approved um this structure is built so we're kind of in that no man's land with that i'm dying to see what that looks like because you know midtown terrace is one of those neighborhoods that's just so well decked out with you know like a decor stacked up to the roofs everywhere so i think that'll be pretty cool to cruise around too so yeah it, it does add a different element it's kind of cool to see oh i remember placing that there and it's pretty it's pretty um quick to update like you can you do one race and you can move a few things around and then it updates it fairly quickly. That's is, really good. Yeah, which is cool. So the other shenanigans that I made mention at the start was some of the stuff that happened with uh, the cafe events that happened through the week. Um, I believe, what did Cheese did an event, Elijah, mm -hmm. Dak, and Too Stupid and Thank Me Later all did events. Um, there was a lot of moaning and groaning in the – Upland General about this, like they, Upland keeps pushing cafes, pushing cafes, but clearly the system is still nowhere near ready to handle even what is essentially very kind of small numbers trying to get into them. Um, people were getting pushed to the overflows. Uh, people were just, they were getting in, everything was frozen and they were getting booted. Um, did you try and do any of that yourself, Zoe? I know most of those were just stupid AM our time. Uh, I managed to get in on Cheese's one towards the back end, so I missed all of the uh, giveaways and contests, contests that she was doing, mm. but uh, I did manage to get in towards the back end. I'm assuming it was, you know, by that point a lot of people had, had given up because I didn't have any issues getting in. Mm. I just wasn't sure which cafe they were in, so um because everybody just says the cafe and when i hear the cafe i think you know um the discord general yeah you know uh, the discord cafe so yeah i i eventually found it and i got in and i had no dramas uh and i was on my phone oh interesting because i know that a lot of the x1 and a few of the cms were saying well you need to try and get on you know you need to be on your um, computer and you need to be on Chrome and yada, 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 which when I talked to um, Happy MFR through the week, we were like, well, that's a pretty shitty situation considering Upland spruiks about being a mobile first 
And they were even saying, well, try Android. Just just doesn't really work with with iPhones. So. Laban just said that he managed to get in but got disconnected several times mm. uh, and he was on the phone as well. Yeah, so uh, I know a lot of people, I won't throw any names out there, but I know a lot of people were saying, well, why are we trying to persist with this system that clearly doesn't work when we have the other system, uh, this whole, is it spatial thing? That Elijah does with the real node LA. Yeah. And that that works seamlessly with dozens and dozens and dozens of people. So obviously the the nowhere kind of cafe partnership, that's an official partnership. So I guess they gotta try and get that to work. But how long can you flog a not dead, but a moribund horse? <laughs> to wait and see. Hopefully they can get it to work. Um because yeah, if if they're gonna go away from mobile first, that's yeah, that's not not really good. And especially saying, well, go to Android, not iPhones. You know, the vast majority of mobile users still are iPhones, so that would be a massive missed opportunity, shall we say? All right, a couple more things to touch on. Um, as I said last week, I believe if you're not on the Twitter or the X, you should be over there because there's all sorts of cool stuff happens. And what do you know, when I woke up this morning, there was a bit of chatter going on because Upland has continued to hype up this big, massive September thing, whatever the hell it's going to be. Upland this morning tweeted, did somebody say classified? And they've... They've included a very interesting image here. It's of the Upland map, the 3D globe, and it has a whole bunch of the spotty MetaVenture dots all over it. But we have streaks of, I don't know, light? What? Energy? Well, what, what's coming out of this globe? What's shooting out of there, Zoe? Or what's shooting into there? I don't know. I don't know. What is this? Well, the thing that... Um... I find really interesting is some of the green dots have green lasers and some of the orange ones, but like you've got these, these odd ones with red coming out of them. Yes. Yeah. I picked up on that too. Hmm. Good to see lots of dots all over Africa. They might be releasing cities across the globe. Yeah, I don't know. It's, they, as I said, they've been hyping up this September thing. They've been hyping it up like crazy. They're running out of time. And as I said last week, if you hype something up like this, you better be able to back it up. Otherwise, people are just going to go, Ugh. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I really don't know. It could literally be anything. But it does appear that it's going to have at least something to do with I would assume MetaVentures more than like city releases because that look at that. There's there's several dozen uh, dots there all over South America, all over Africa. There's heaps more dots in Europe. Unless they're just going to go crazy with oversupply. I'm not sure. But if I had to guess, I would say there's something on the way that's tied in with MetaVentures. Maybe artifacts. Could be, could be. I don't know. The... Miles and Gaia have been travelling and exploring mm. and doing yeah, well, their thing. Somebody did see, I don't know if it was on this tweet, somebody, well, there was a bit of chatter there where Das Mustang said, oh, I think it's the the old um, send urchins. So I 
tweeted some stuff there too. Um, I don't know if it's here. Somebody posted an image of, ah, here. Here's an image from one of the previous previous um, promotional things with Miles and Gaia where there's, I believe this is Miles's hand and there's a 3D globe projecting up for it with way more dots on it. So no bits shooting out of it on that though. So the shoot, the, all the stuff shooting out of it has to mean something. But yeah, what? Because like you say, some of the dot colours don't match up. Don't know. Unless they're bringing in a new colour for certain meta ventures. Well, that's a, we've said that for a while. Like they're going to have to do something because the map's already starting to look crazy. And what did we say before at the start of the show? I said there's 51,000 unique active wallets. Uh, they did a thing recently where there was they were celebrating 1,000 meta ventures being opened. Well, what about when there's 50,000? It's going to just be absolute <laughs> chaos on the map. Yeah, so, not wrong. And it is. You can go in the app and you can press the search thing and you can look for different, you know, if there's one particular map asset or block explorer that you want. There, It is pretty clunky, but you can kind of work through to to find where they are and see prices and that sort of stuff. So maybe it's something related to that completely I don't know, reimagining what it takes to be a MetaVenture owner maybe or as a MetaVenture customer, hopefully a bit of both because both both sides of that coin are pretty kind of manually laborious at, at present, shall we say. But don't know. Um, it's going to be, like I said, they've hyped it up to all hell, so it's going to have to be something spectacular. Imagine it was just something simple like, oh, now you have a button that you can turn off the MetaVenture dots like we have for <laughs> Hide Explorers. <laughs> Could you imagine how many people would be pissed? <laughs> We'd be able to hear the butt hurt live all the way from down under. Yes, be a wave of butt hurt. So I don't know. I don't know if LeBan's in chat. What do you think, LeBan? You got any speculation? Multi-country city release, release of the world incoming. Yeah. I don't know. But like I said, it want to be good. I have to wait and see. No, but it has to be good. Yeah. I mean, that that's always a trouble. If you hype something up to hell, you just, well, you, you want to hope you're going to be able to back it up. Anyhow, that brings us on to what I put down for what I pegged for the main topic for the show was the neighborhood ratings quick maths. Now I did do a little bit of did a bit of clickety clacking last night and this afternoon to kind of put this very horrendous graphic together here. Is that showing up? Yes, looks like it is. So what have I got here? I've got a table here that has the top five neighbourhoods. Number one is St. James, number two, Monero, number three, Midtown Terrace, number four, Holliswood, and number five, Red Hook. And just for shits and giggles, because we do know that Greenwich Village is on a push, and there's a, there's a very good team behind them who've successfully um, achieved uh, two or three neighbourhood collections now. Um, I've put them that in as well. That's currently their number 14. So what I've, what I've tabulated here is the total properties in each neighbourhood, the total completed structures, the percent developed structures in progress, the percentage 
of of total that's in progress, uh, approved MetaVentures, percentage of MetaVentures, number of residents, percentage of residents, and the current score. Now, one of the things, this is all the stuff that's readily accessible information that you can get from places like uh, uh, UPX, what is it, UPX World, UPX Land, um, Rockdrigo puts out his stuff as well. So this is all pieced it together from a selection of those. Um, there are some things you can't track at the moment because one of the bots, the main bot that I used to use to check um, total spark hours, uh, I couldn't find a way to, to see what the total spark hours are spent, but you can get a rough idea on that just based on the, the number of structures that have been completed. Um, all of these tie into what actually goes behind the neighborhood scores, but then there's algorithms and bloody all sorts of shenanigans that goes on the back end that um, was set up to supposedly give bigger neighborhoods a chance against smaller neighborhoods and vice versa. Um, it does suck that Upland doesn't tell us exactly what goes into, you know, these collections. So we can only really work what we've with what we've We've got, and like I said, some of these numbers were pulled from yesterday, so they might be not specifically and fully up to date. Nevertheless, we can still get a general idea of what's actually going on here. So, as I said, for the last, for all of September, St. James was never in the picture at all, but all of a sudden they've rocketed up to number one. So, St. James is quite a large neighborhood with 2,363 properties compared to Monero in 646. Uh, Midtown Terrace, just under 800. Holliswood, just over 800 or 850. And Red Hook, 1,085. Um, funnily enough, in the list here, St. James has the most and Monero has the lowest. So that's, that kind of figures into a lot of the percentages that get calculated. Now, when we come to completed structures, St. James actually has the lowest amount of completed structures, only 443. However, that's pretty good because London hasn't been around for a while um, for that long compared to um, Monero in Rio, which has been around for more than a year. Uh, Midtown Terrace, of course, which has been around ever since Spark first came available for building. Holliswood has been around for quite a while and Red Hook as well has been around for a while. So, yes, Midtown Terrace is the leader on that one with 686 structures. And also, Midtown Terrace is the most percentage developed, 86.2%, closely followed by Monero on 85.3%. Um, St. James is nowhere in that, 18.7% percentage developed. So, clearly, the number of, the number of structures that have been completed we do know that factors into the overall score a bit, but obviously it doesn't factor in a whole lot because, yeah, you're comparing 18.7% to, you know, almost pushing for 90s now. So that moves us on to structures in progress. Now, this is this is the one that I think is the... This is the meat amongst the potatoes, I believe. Obviously, I've got no actual data to back it up or facts to back it up, I should say, but we do have some data here. So structures in progress. St. James is currently building 95, um, 95 structures. They're currently building at the moment. This is in comparison to Monero, 19. Midtown Terrace is building zero because we've built everything that we can possibly build. Um, Holliswood, 16. Red Hook, 22. So this is interesting. Monero is kind of in the same situation 
was probably, I don't know, four, five months behind mid 10 terrace where Monero is quickly going to run out of buildings that they can actually build. Like mid 10 terrace has been through this stage. We reached out to as many people as we could and say, Hey, if you start a structure, we'll, you know, we'll spark it up for free and we'll get it built for free. Um, every now and then one or two, two uh, buildings will go up on mid 10 terrace and the UDU team will pile onto that and get it built. Um, St. James has all the momentum here and that's kind of reflected in the percentage in progress stats as well. They're at 4%. So that's the percentage of the structures that are in progress compared to their total properties. So they're well out in front with that 4%. Uh, but Monero is not doing too bad, 2.9%. That's still pretty healthy. That's not that far behind St. James. And another big one, of course, that we do know boosts score a lot is the approved MetaVentures. Now, St. James is miles out in front with this, which is, again, is very impressive considering they haven't been around for very long. They currently have 12 MetaVentures approved. Monero, in comparison, has eight. Mid-Tent five. Hollis Wood, four. Red Hook, eight. And Greenwich Village, five. So they're definitely kicking butt in the currently building, kicking butt in the approved MetaVentures. Um, now, we do know that the percentage of MetaVentures as a total of the total number of properties, that apparently factors into it somewhere. Um, if you look at that calculation, Monero is way, way, way in front. So double that of mid Terrace on 1.24%, mid Terrace 0.6%, and St. James is even below mid Terrace. So they're on 0.51%. So clearly that factors in a bit, but not a lot. Another one, major one is the number of residents. Again, only by one. Um, St. James is way below the eight ball there, 29 residents as opposed to Monero, 32, mid 10 terrace, 40 out, and Holliswood, absolutely kicking butt there, 75 residents, Red Hook, 28. So again, we figured number of residents and like back in the OG days when all of this was first bandied about before any of this even started. There was talk about neighbourhoods working together to develop and to spawn a collection. So one of the biggest things, or a couple of the biggest things that we figured was going to be important was the percentage completed of properties developed, the number of metaventures, and particularly the number of residents. But again, clearly, number of residents don't really mean all that much because when you look at the percentage of residents, St. James is 1.2% of residents. Um, Monero, 5%, Midtown Terrace, 6%. And like I said, Holliswood kicking but 8.8%. So what can we, what can we get from all of this? Clearly the biggest major factor at play is what spark is currently being staked that that must that must have a massive massive influence on the overall score because st james was nowhere and then all of a sudden there's 95 um buildings getting put up there and they've just screamed to the top of the list um that's interesting to note that's very interesting to note. not just for this kind of monthly battle that goes on because what, what this tells neighbourhoods like Midtown Terrace is there's no point even trying because with zero structures in progress and zero hope for having any structures in progress, we're just at the mercy of whatever anybody else does. There's not a real lot that we can do 
to boost our score. We might be able to, um, even if we've got another three metaventures, if we were the same as Monero, it ain't really going to boost the score all that much. Um, we got plenty of resonance, 48 resonance. I was kind of bewildered when I saw that number. I didn't think we had anywhere near that number of resonance. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, what we can't do is just suddenly start building a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we could demolish a whole bunch of stuff and then start building it, but that's just totally pointless. So it's very interesting. I don't know. Zoe and LeBan, is any of that any of that kind of chatter on your radar? I mean, gabbing off, running my mouth? No. It's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a bit demoralizing, I guess. What it's what it does do is it just absolutely sucks that it clearly severely punishes the people that have been the most engaged for the longest period of time and put in the most amount of collaborative effort because, yeah, as I said, it doesn't matter what Monero does, what Midtown Terrace does, or even what Holliswood and Red Hook does, we're always going to be at the mercy of these newer emerging, uh, whether they be neighbourhood projects or nodes or whatever they want to call themselves, um, we're always going to be at the mercy of them because you just literally cannot compete with the structures in progress with those with those new neighbourhoods. Now, what's not very, without a demolishment? Yeah, and that's you know I've spent upwards of thirty million upex developing mid ten terrace. So I'm not going to turn around and start demolishing stuff to try and boost the score. That's just madness. Yeah. Um, um, is this something that's? Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. What's what's your node project? Uh, evergreen. Evergreen, sorry. Evergreen, yeah. Russia. Is, is this something yeah. that's on your radar that you're discussing? We were – so when they first released these um, city info tallies, we were top 50. Yep. I think we're now moved up to top 25. Yep. Um, but we're slow, slow developers. So we we definitely would not have 95 props. Uh, being built at once, uh, which seems to be where most of those points come from. Yeah. So, but we have been developing in that area and building in that area for over a year now. And we've got two different Spark trains. One's trackside and the other is just standard. Yep. Um, so we're plodding along. We're doing well. Uh, I've been working on my uh, Applandia application for Evergreen. So that should drive, you know, new players to the area because we've still got FSAs for uh, minting. Oh, really? So That's good. There's, there's 3,000 plus properties in Evergreen and there's like 300 FSAs left. So, yeah, there's, there's still plenty of opportunities to, to build our residence and our um, our property development and that sort of thing. It's just our organisation is a very small scale, small team. We've got a very small, dedicated community in Evergreen, um, which is, yeah. So I don't foresee Evergreen being up in like the top five or ten for, for quite a while. But that's okay. We're slow growers. Slow and quiet growers. 
Well, it's, it just may be that you might be extremely well-placed because what, what these numbers show is, like, we know there's two aspects to the whole neighbourhood collection spawning. The, the first one is this kind of monthly battle where you get the base collection. But we do know that the next stage of that is going to be this node versus node thing. So that's how you can upscale your, your neighbourhood collection from a standard to a limited to, you know, to an exclusive, to a rare, and potentially, it's been mentioned, potentially an ultra rare. Well, neighbourhoods like Monero, like Monero will inevitably get a, well, you would hope so. You would hope neighbourhoods like Monero, Mid-Ten Terrace, and Holliswood and Red Hook, of course, will eventually get that that um, neighbourhood collection status. But when we have no ability to build new structures, we're going to have no chance whatsoever to compete with um, neighbourhoods like St. James that still have, you know, they've still got like 80% of their neighbourhood that they can develop. So if if St. James was in the battle for the upgrading the upgrading the neighbourhood collection from the standard to the limited with Monero, if that, if that was the head-to-head, well, Monero's got no chance. Yeah. It's just... Yeah moronic absolutely moronic and you're you're right it does sort of feel like punishment to those who've who've been ogs and building up um neighborhoods from the very get-go oh it's just there's no other way you can look at it there's really absolutely no other way not when you see stats like that just staring you straight in the face percentage developed 18 percent compared to 85 and 86 percent so um, I was yeah. talk, talking with one of the community managers backwards and forwards from Monero um, this morning, and he was saying, "Well, if you want to get a glimpse of, you know, it's a good good to get because that's just a figure on a on a table. But if you go to Mid Ten Terrace, have a ha, have a look at Mid Ten Terrace as like an overview. Have a look over there. Have a look at Monero, and then compare that to St James. Or like, I'm not trying to shit on St James. That's that's not what this is no. about. St James has done a fantastic job." As I said, they've only been around for a short period of time, and they're kicking butt. But yeah, if if you look at if you look at the neighbourhoods, um, you cannot go over Midtown Terrace or Monero, um, with an iPhone. It just crashes it if you try and scroll in the whole thing. It can't even handle it. So yes, so I, I try not to get too ranty there, but obviously this is something that I've been working on for years and years. And as I said, I've invested a significant amount of actual. UPX and whatnot into it. So it kind of sucks. Um, I have no idea why they set it up like this. Um, it certainly seems like it's not going to change anytime soon. So as far as Midtown Terrace goes, we're just we're just going to be like, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Because I, I think, you know, whether it's in the next six months or the next year, it'll eventually get to the stage where it ticks over to the... Um, the standard collection, but as far as being able to upgrade, there's zero chance, zero chance. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'd say that's probably exactly the same for the Monero. But Evergreen Lasher, you, you might be well-placed to to take that push. So you, you said you've got, what did you say, 3,000 properties, something like that? Yeah, 3,000-plus properties. Yep. Uh, there's 300 FSAs or thereabouts, are still available for minting. Yep. Um, our floor averages between, say, nine and 15,000 upex at the moment, but yep. I do anticipate that will climb once um, 
Evergreen is uh, released within Uplandia. Yep. Um, as you know, although now would be a good time to get in there and grab a prop or two. Yes. But um, yeah, I see so where it's based on Spark Hours, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that that's part of that's part of it. Yeah. But but it seems like the the biggest factor is the spark hours you're currently you're currently staking, not the spark hours you have previously staked. That does factor in with the the completed structures, but it does appear to be the active spark. So what the smart play to do here, and this might be something that Evergreen Lasher can take note of perhaps, is St. James, their, their best bet here is to secure this first collection with the lowest possible percentage developed, the lowest approved med adventures you know, you, you yeah. want to get you want to get that standard collection with doing the minimal amount of effort, and you know what, eighteen percent developed. Um, I say minimal amount, but they have completed four hundred and forty three structures in a short period of time. So that's again, it's yeah. not trying to downplay that, but it does leave them primed. They when they are in those node versus node battles, they are still got eighty percent developed to play with. So they could do a massive push with their team or externally get new people in and they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Holy moly. Mm. So no. It's definitely very interesting. But like I say, it just sucks that it just pretty much negates anything that the OG, you know, the OG neighborhood nodes and neighborhood projects can try and set out to do because you, there's just no way you can compete on that. Yeah, although I have to say, I don't think too many people are actually aware of it needing to be current because nope. I definitely wasn't. You know, I here I am thinking, well, we've, we've been plotting along and developing and we've been accumulating our spark hours and there's map yep. assets and all of that and now I'm learning none of that really matters. So I dare say we're going to have to coordinate for a cycle like yeah. very strategically in order to be able to get up there without naturally slowly climbing anyway, if that makes sense. Oh, it definitely makes sense. And it's 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 not a case that it doesn't matter. It's just that it may potentially doesn't matter as much like you're still going to have to have you know metaventures and all of that to help boost the score but yeah you having that kind of target approach whereas we just thought you know okay we gotta we gotta build as much as we can as fast as we can clearly that was just <laughs> completely the wrong play um so yeah because and there's a lot of other projects um mexican towns another one that has a fairly high percentage built and yeah it's with those kind of, especially those kind of smaller neighbourhoods, if you're under, say, 300 total properties and you've already got your percentage way up there, you're kind of just totally screwed, which brings back to my point where it, it just, I think it just really sucks that Upland can't tell us the exact, you know, the exact figures or the exact calculations. Tell us what the bloody algorithms are so that we can, you know, at least understand why we have no chance. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely feels like a rigged system in that regard. Yes, um, I won't 
Let me see if I can find the quote. I won't put any names out there, but yeah, the quote that I got from one of the people that I was talking to, um, it was, made me laugh. Um, I said, <laughs> yeah, I asked, is there anything you want me to say in regards to your team? Because I'll be speaking on behalf of Midtown Terrace. And the reply was, thank you for asking. It's a fun contest based on unknown measurements. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that pretty much sums it up. Yes. So as I said, Maybe, like I said, Evergreen Lash may be well-placed if you take that kind of targeted targeted approach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Call on uh, the outlying community members, the Rally ones that the are involved, troops. but, like, not, not dedicated, if that makes sense. Yep. Just say, come on, help us for a cycle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, Rock Drigo, I... I he was always pushing when he was doing the stats. He he was always saying it's about the the rolling averages. So yeah, if if you're making a push for I don't know March next year, well maybe you got to start in January or something. You know you got to get that ball rolling. Yeah. Which which clearly um St James has clearly been a master of. So hats off to them. All right, a few articles to touch on for the Web three news. Um, so I thought we were going to be short, but we're already running long, so I'll try not to gab off too much with these. Um, there's a couple of interesting ones in here. SoftBank backed improbable slashes losses by 85% says the pivot to the metaverse has paid off. Don't often really hear that, and I have another article straight up that kind of shows a flip side of this, and this is what all of the news articles to date have been. Mark Zuckerberg's Metaverse vision falters as Reality Labs reports 21 billion loss. Can Meta Connect turn the tide? So what's happening here? One company that's all in on the Metaverse has posted a $21 billion loss. Meanwhile, this improbable company, which SoftBank is a massive Japanese company, mobile phone company, um, they're saying they slashed their losses by 85% thanks to the Metaverse. What the hell is going on? Uh, let me see if I can find. The British company said in a press release that its revenues more than doubled last year to 78 million as its work on Metaverse expanded significantly. Um, I just think Zuckerberg's got to step out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got some weird ideas. I think, I think he's created such a reputation for himself now mm. that any new project or product that he is going to put out isn't going to do anywhere near as well as Facebook because we all learned, you know, that he doesn't care about our data. He doesn't care about our well-being. They played social psychological experiments on everybody. Mm. Um, they're continuously selling everybody's data. Like I think he's just ruined his own reputation and so that's why. When he took over the quest, um, you know, it dipped. I, I think any anybody with a few brain cells that they can rub together is going to avoid anything that Mark Zuckerberg is in on. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, he has made a billion-dollar company too, so he's not a complete dunderhead. So, 
Yeah, it's no, but like with so he built Facebook, yeah. Um, but he has destroyed his reputation with Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes, he built it. Yes, it's still a household name and everybody, almost everybody has a Facebook account. But I know more people who used it as a tool than who use it, you know, every day like TikTok or Instagram or even, you know, Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he's destroyed his reputation with the billion-dollar business he built. <laughs> Catch-22, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So what does it say here? It says in 2022, Improbable unveiled its ambition to become a major player in the so-called metaverse, the concept for a vast world or worlds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the company has been working with players in the digital asset sphere, including Yuga Labs. That's interesting. We should work with to build the out the other side metaverse. Okay. So that's – I've heard this being mentioned more and more, other side Interesting, where people can make their own digital avatars, attend events, and more. The company doubled down on its metaverse strategy earlier this year with a white paper detailing its vision for MS Squared, a network of interoperable Web3 metaverses. Okay, that's kind of cool. That's what all of these kind of metaverse projects are setting out to do. Um, it raised $150 million from investors last year. Da, 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 da. Got some stuff going on with Netflix. Got some stuff going on with Major League Baseball. Tech and the tech industry has been betting that virtual and augmented reality will prove to be something of paradigm shift in tech, akin to the invention of the internet or smartphone. Yes, that's what we're all us pundits are banging on about. Some are calling it the technology's iPhone moment. Yes, yes, yes. That's all fluff, fluff, fluff. For one, you won't need a headset. Da, da, da. Founded in 2012, Improbable has for years been attempting to build vast, continuously rendering worlds in which thousands of people can play games and interact with each other. Okay. Hmm. I just thought it was interesting that, like we said, some companies, especially Facebook, are saying that they're doing their ass in the metaverse, yet this one's saying, yippee, let's go. So that's cool. All right, let me X out of there. So... Speaking of metaverse projects <laughs> that are doing very well, Animoca Brands, budding, budding, and Valentina Rossi, who is a very famous superbike rider, um, and Gravitas Labs collaborate to create Web3 platforms for motorsports fans in Sandbox, I believe it was. Where did I read Sandbox? Sandbox is on the, the infographic. Oh, it's right in front of my face. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Valiverse. Why? They, they always have the worst names. Valentino Rossi. Valiverse is coming to the sandbox. Awesome. So this is pretty cool. So we do know that, you know, Upland has got Stock Car Pro, um, a partnership going on with there with, you know, the Upland metaverse. I'm much very much a motorsports fan myself so this is cool to see um at least Valentino rossi starting to get involved and he's one of those big names uh where the big names go a lot of the other projects go i am fully expecting i think i mentioned last week there's so many of the formula one teams have crypto sponsorships and all sorts of you know there's in the previously there's been um nft sponsorships and whatnot i expect there's going to be some fairly big announcements about Formula One being involved in different metaverse projects 
at some stage. It would be nice if that was something Upland related. I'd, if that was the September announcement, I think that would be that that'd certainly um, qualm my butt hurt or any potential butt hurt there. I'm not that I'm thinking that it's going to be, but something like that would be awesome. So is Formula One global or is that just here? No, that's that's global. That is the oh. with the yeah, along with the super bikes. That's pretty much the the two that are global. You know, V eight super, right. supercars or supercars. They're Australian um, stock car series pro in Brazil. That's basically the same as our supercars. Um, uh, years and years ago, back when I was still racing myself, the IndyCar series used to come to the Gold Coast in Australia and they used to go to Mexico and Brazil and all places, but now they only race in North America. So most of them are, yeah, you know, there's a European racing scene, but yeah, um, Formula One is definitely global and so is the Superbike Championship, which Valentino Rossi made his name on. So I don't Yeah. I, I just like what this... You know, I don't, I don't necessarily care about what this is. I just like the underlying aspects to it, you know. From from this, you know, there's going to be different NFT projects come out. <clears throat> it's going to get the idea of, you know, fan engagement in virtual spaces in these sorts of things. It's It's going to spread far and wide. It's going to get people who would have never even heard of um, metaverses web three or any of that it's going to get them to read headlines and think oh okay well just even the word metaverse okay well if valentino rossi's getting involved i thought metaverse was just mark zuckerberg and, and they were learning losing billions of dollars um that's yeah. what you know joe blow on the street might think but these yeah, are the kind they, of sorry go ahead if they don't have their finger on the pulse and they're only going with most mainstream media, then, yes, they're, all they're going to get is the negative articles yep. where, you know, corporate bozos like Zuckerberg are losing out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, it's these kind of headlines we want to see more and more of to create that kind of positive vibes. And hopefully we can get people over there and they can have good experiences. And Lord knows Sandbox could use some extra active users because their numbers are... Hilarious. All right, so that's that one. Um, here's another one that's good. Sony plan to expand PlayStation VR 2 and hints at a metaverse as well. Um, Sony, PlayStation, <laughs> metaverse. There's a big name. Well, Sony, Sony just got hunked. Did they again? Wasn't that a big it, it thing was... years ago? They, the... Uh, fours, fives, and sixes, or the threes, fours, and fives. Oh, but dear. pretty much everything has just been hacked by the dark web, people on the dark web, and they're ransoming everybody's data. Um, oh, boy. And Sony is refusing to pay. <laughs> so essentially wow. it's going to go to the highest bidder on the black market or, or on the web, and, yeah, anybody can get their hands on it. So... Like mm. as exciting as this is, I also think they really need to get their cybersecurity together. Mm. <laughs> so what what sort of information would they have? Because Sony is one of those platforms where you download the game, so you're paying for it with credit cards and email addresses. Yeah. Your anything that you would have needed to use to create your profile and your account in the first place. Phone and numbers. all of your your um, card information and everything. So if you've got cards 
that are linked to your PlayStation account, essentially now's the time to cancel them. And wow. because today was the the cutoff for the ransom. So like today our our time, I believe. So wow. yeah. Now's now's the time to cancel and get new cards. Wow, wow, wow. That's scary. Yes. All yes. Right. Well, yes, Sony, get your house in order. So what well, what it does say is that they were apparently playing around with the idea of fully 3D worlds uh, 10, 15 years ago, but, of course, back then it was way ahead of its time. So it does appear that they're going to revitalise that. So Sony plans to expand the features of the PlayStation VR 2 and their hints at a metaverse highlight their commitment to pushing the boundaries of immersing gaming experiences and lacking in cybersecurity. I added that bit. Um, this suggests <laughs> that they are exploring the possibilities of creating virtual spaces that allow users to interact with each other and with the Sony EK system in new and exciting ways. Well, wow, yeah, with, with what you've just said there in mind, Zoe, to, to go that far, like, would you even, would you cross that bridge? Well, that's a tricky one. All right, well, we'll joint out of there and we'll move on. Now, this is a kind of happy, feel-good one. I, I mentioned that um, Valentino Rossi, as far as that whole metaverse, NFT deals, all that's going to get eyeballs on them. Well, look at this one, Walmart. Names don't get much bigger than Walmart as far as companies and businesses and whatnot. And what have we got here? Some cute pudgy penguins. This about Pudgy Penguins NFT brand takes flight in Walmart stores. A physical toy line, toy line meets digital experiences. Um, goes into a fair bit of details here, but I like the TLDR section at the end. Pudgy Penguins, a leading NFT brand, has expanded its footprint by launching a line of toys in 2000 Walmart stores across the US. Each toy offers a gateway into Pudgy World, a digital metaverse challenging the narrative that NFTs are losing market interest. Walmart's inclusion of these toys signifies a new era in consumer brand interaction in the digital age. And this is one of those things that's going to go both ways. Um, if you've got some kind of web three NFT or something, you're probably going to be able to do something with that in Walmart. Of course, if you buy one of these in Walmart, undoubtedly there's going to be a QR code and that's going to give you something in the pudgy world. Um, I really love this. Of course, I um, don't, Again, it's one of those things where I don't really give a toss about what it is. It's what it signifies for the future and the foundations. Because imagine that instead of this, it was Upland to release release line of plushies in Walmart stores or something like that, you know? Yeah, that'd be epic. So imagine, like we got, if you reach director status, you get your 3D block explorer made for you. Well, maybe if you reach chief executive status, you get your plushie made for you, and that becomes a line of commercial products. And who knows, maybe you get a little kickback there on every sale. You know, that's obviously I'm just speaking totally in a mask, and that's unlikely to happen, but it just shows what the potentials are. So I like this a lot. I don't know. What do you think, Zoe? You like where this is headed? You got kids? Would they be all in on Pudgy World? I think my middle child, Azaria, definitely would be. Um, I like the idea. I love that they're tying NFTs to real-world products. 
Um, As we saw on that article, there's, you know, that young fella who started making the Bored Apes plushies um, and he's making a killing off it. So I love the idea. I just, I do worry about them targeting children, um, especially because knowing the setup myself for certain wallets and that sort of thing, like the kids are going to want theirs and that's going to require a sign-up process and details. And Mm. I do... I do worry about their digital safety when it comes to to these sorts of things. Um, But I do love to see the integration. It would be really, really cool to see like Nike or some kind of well-known brand that is primarily targeted to adults but suits children to do something like this. So for every pair of Nikes you buy, you get a limited nft with it or something so yes i do love what it signifies and the potential i just i do sort of worry about children's uh data and um what that could mean in the future for them Yes, absolutely. That's a good point. And LeBan said in chat, you should get personalized merch when you reach CE and he's a sucker for merch here. There you go. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Like, um, obviously, it's, it would probably be set up like an uplandish system where all of the blockchain stuff is just done on the back end. But then we do know, yeah, in upland, if you want to do anything beyond the, you know, the standard, you have to be KYC. Well, how do you approach that with children? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, and then there's shifting your NFTs uh, as well. Like once they're old enough, so say, you know, my 15-year-old gets one of these plushies and it is very much like Upland where there's a parent wallet, but um, say she wants to transfer that out when she's 18 into like her grown-up wallet, so to speak, Mm. It, there's a lot of the time there's not a way to do that. Mm. So it's you can't really amalgamate all of your digital assets into the one um, without sort of like a system for it built in. So I think if they built in a system where you can shuffle your assets later on, uh, that could potentially be a way of doing it to market to children. But, yeah, I mean, it's great for getting children into the metaverse too. Like that's something we're going to want. We're going to want continuously younger generations getting into this so it continues to grow. Yep. Well, they're, they're all over Roblox. So imagine imagine some kind of merch thing that was tied in with Roblox, which that's probably only just a matter of time before that happens. So, and that's once that happens, it's game over. The kids are going to be all over that. So Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it's there's a lot more to the like. You're right, as you've said there with a lot of the background stuff. There's a lot more to it than just you know buy something and scan their QR code. Um, but it doesn't have to be as complicated as you know as it probably sounds like. But um, hopefully, the tech advances as far as the demand's going to. Once these kind of things start to bleed out into the um, into the wider space, I think. Uh, 
probably we we like that sort of thing there. We'll probably see bits and pieces maybe this Christmas time, but I think this time next Christmas, I think this this kind of stuff is going to be like all the rage. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. All right, that's that one. And that brings us on to the Meat Suitiverse. Um, I have stopped just trying to do an overview and I've just kind of pulled out a couple of just standard articles, just look on briefly. It might be of interest to our international viewers. So what are, what's happening in Australia at currently? Well, it, it's bloody hot is what's happening. Um, although we have gone through a bit of a cold snap. Did you get that cold snap this last week? It's been raining here, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's not going to last. So I'm trying to enjoy it while it is here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the headline is Perth's nine-year spring temperature record is broken. Um, I know at work we had to stop bush candy almost a month earlier because it's getting too hot, getting too snaky. Uh, the family, we've already started our fortnightly beach trips because the weather's just super warm, super early. So, yes, West of Australia's capital city is sweltering through an unusual heat spike with temperatures in Perth managing to tip just past the hottest September day in nine years. So, yes, getting quite warm around the place here, which uh, my grass is already starting to look very brown and dead, which is pretty scary because it's, you know, it's we're only just at the start of spring. So she's going to be well, hot, hot, hot. Um, we're supposedly going into an El Nino drought. Yeah, it's so. This um, is said to be one of the hottest summers we've ever experienced. Yeah, and the the last few have been really wet. Like we had, there was there was a couple of days where I couldn't go to work. We were flooded in. So yeah, I remember the floods last year. Yeah, I think we're on the we're on the flip side of that. So we have to wait and see. That's what's happening in Australia. What's happening in Unzid? <laughs> so this was interesting Microsoft's Dan Walker so he's a New Zealand fella is excited to see how AI can disrupt inequity for the Maori now obviously I picked this one because AI all about the AI so Microsoft's Dan Walker oh, that's just a repeat so I'm not going to try and say some of these names apologies Kiwis I'm not even going to try it Dan old mate's journey to working in tech wasn't a conventional one um, the Yes, Murray Word resident dropped out of high school at 15 and faced an identity crisis when he became disconnected from his Māori roots. He said, in quotes, I didn't really study tech or anything like that, but I did love video games. So what's this all about? Basically, what they're doing is they're using AI and tech and you expect that's going to merge into metaverse stuff to go back and get back in touch with their roots, culture, language. I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it would be really, really good educational platform too for, you know, non-natives uh, to be able to uh, expand their cultural knowledge from around the globe. I mean, I know New Zealand is one of those countries where I would happily do a deep dive on their, their ancient history and their culture. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm, I caught the tail end of a, an article as I was flicking through something today. might have been when I was on my lunch break. It was now ChatGPT or the latest version of ChatGPT that's coming out. You can talk to it and it will talk back to you. So it's going to that tech uh, speech to text is going to be a p function of that. 
So that's going to be a game changer. Like I, I can imagine my kids being able to sit down and interacting with chat GPT to have Japanese lessons. Like, sure, you can get your, like I've got, um, what is it, Pimsleur. I've got Pimsleur Japanese lessons that were originally CDs that I had that I converted to MP3s. The kids and I, we can sit there and do that, but you're learning a whole bunch of stuff that's not really relevant to them. If they could have a conversation, you know, with chat GPT about their interests, you know, maybe my younger son wants to talk about Roblox, but he wants to talk about it to chat GPT in Japanese. I mean, all that sort of stuff sounds pretty cool to me. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. So what does he say? He's, he says, I was raised really just disconnected to be honest, mate, disconnected from my language, my culture growing up in Christchurch in the eighties just the narrative, the general vibe of what you saw on TV and all around things, Māori really was quite negative. Uh, but where's what's he going to do with it? Work for Dick Smith. I started realizing how. Oh, it moved. Where did it go? I started realizing how technology can be a benefit for our iwi and seeing how these two worlds work together. Walker said, "Tech and artificial intelligence." Artificial intelligence present exciting opportunities for Māori Indigenous people around the world. Okay, yep. Yeah, so it's that whole educational aspect. My son is dyslexic and I've worried about how he gets along in the school system. Yeah, so basically tailoring your learning needs or your interests by using AI and whatnot. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. Good on your NZ. And lastly, of course, we'll see... What's happening in Japan? Now, here's another techie one that I that I pulled up. So I was going to say last year, but it wasn't last year. This year when I went to Japan, when we were sorting out our visas, um, it was all this – it was partly to do because of COVID. It was, all, it was all done electronically. There was all these different things we had to do. It was quite a laborious, bloody process. Um, but that was to set it up. But once we landed in Japan, into japan and to go through customs and immigration it was really fast once you had all this stuff on your phone as an app as they had their own app and blah 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 it was pretty easy to do well it looks like japan's going to take that on board and they're going to dive into that electronic visa system even more um as i said it was a bit clunky but you know what's not clunky blockchain and things like that po apps um nfts so imagine having your visa as an nft and you land in the country you're going to go to and they scan your qr code or who knows how it's going to work um yeah with a lot of well, most of the new passports now they're all electronic passports as well so talk about who knows the mind boggles i think this is one of those things and where where does it wind up? Like, um, does it go with your uh, issued license, like in the um, my Australia app, or no? This was the the one that we used was just a it was a Japanese immigration app, so it was just a um, pure standalone thing. And like I said, it was you had to fill out a whole bunch of forms, and you had to like scan driver's license and passports and put in all these numbers. So the actual process was quite laborious, but it's kind of what you'd have to do anyway if you're doing the old paper-based or the internet-based 
visa application system. So it wasn't dissimilar to that. But I think if you talk about, you know, Web3 blockchain identities, you know, if you've got your your identity somehow tokenized on the blockchain, it's it's going to completely revolutionize how we do all of this stuff. Like when I was talking with Happy MFR on the weekend, we are talking about how, you know, your driver's license is going to be an NFT, your marriage license, blah, 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 blah. So I think it's all, it's all, it's all heading this kind of way. I, I don't think we're going to go back to the pre-COVID, we do everything on paper sort of stuff. I think it's definitely yeah. that the COVID was kind of the catalyst to push a lot of these companies and processes into the, you know, not even Web3, but even just like the Web2 space in many, many cases. So. But I think that's definitely oh, going to get more and more angled that way. Pushed a lot of people and a lot of businesses online, um, especially like when it came to schooling and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I know I struggled with my lot because they were fully aware. They could do their online learning at home. They're like, why do I even have to go to school now? Because I can just do it online at home in a few hours and then have the rest of my day to do what I want. <laughs> yeah that's tricky i mean like we talked there about um using chat speaking to chat gpt and using that as an educational tool well if you can get your your homework done or you know if you can cover the topics done with chat gpt i mean i really i don't know how they're gonna manage this police this it's just moving so fast so rapid it's it really is quite mind-boggling um, have you not heard of the teaching tools, which you can put the work into that and it tells you whether it's been utilised on one of the AI apps? Yeah, it's yeah, it's all there. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. I, I am a teacher and I use, I completely change the way I do all of my report writing. It's all done through ChatGPT now. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I used... I use ChatGPT to create the input models for the report writing that I do. And so that I created a whole bunch of drop down menus and there's sections where you can add comments and this, that, and the other thing. And then so ChatGPT helped me design that. And then I when I fill that out, I run all that information through ChatGPT. It is, it's not infallible. It is quite clunky. It has quick. I was actually having an argument with it yesterday. I was I was saying <laughs> because the the way there's one part of the report that I do that gets sent to the schools when the kids are transitioning, um, it has a 300 character limit. So I said ChatGPT would um, put out this nice big paragraph of information based on the inputs that I gave it about, you know, child X or whatever. And, but that's yep. way, that's way over the character limit. So I said, uh, you know, please, I always, for some reason, I'm always very polite to chat GPT. I always say please and thank you. I said, can you please, <laughs> can you please uh, take this and summarize it down to 300 characters max with spacing? Sure. No problem. But beep, bop, beep, bop. Here you go. And it's like, um, 600 characters i'm like no i said 300 characters total okay beep bop beep bop 100 characters so i'm, I'm having this <laughs> argument i said there's something clearly wrong with what i'm asking you to do and what you can do what can i say to you to help you and it's about it's like well maybe instead of asking for characters maybe you can say how many words you want 
So I was having this, it was just mental. I was literally rage, rage typing. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? And then together we worked out the solution. It's just, just incredible. And sometimes it's just your phrasing within the prompt as yeah. well. Like you change your phrase around or the prompt, the tone, and sometimes that can make a world of difference. Um, personally, I would have just asked it to refine what it had given you into a concise three or four sentence paragraph. Yeah. And the, sorry, yeah, go ahead. it would have done. <laughs> yes. It's the, tr the trouble is what I need it for. I, I have to put it into official government document and that government document, it is 300 characters. I can't be one character over if there's an extra space, it just won't accept it. So it has to be 300 characters. So yeah, it was just funny that the solution was, you know, I had to ask it, what do you want me to say to you for you to get this? Yeah. So, and then it gave me the answer. It was just, yes, absolutely mind-blowing. Lots of people were having success with asking chat GPT for the prompt it would need to get a particular result. Yeah. And it does it. And then all you've got to do is copy and paste that prompt in and yep. change out any, like, personalised details. And I'm also finding too personally with, um, you know, how you can open up new chats. I'm finding there's a lot in that too. Like I've got several chats open with it and I've got one that's just random where I just talk about whatever. But some of these report writing ones, I, I've found that if I just keep, if there's a particular type of request that I want to do, like say that word count one, well, I just keep that in its own little chat. So if I have to do that again in the future, yeah, it's not scrolling through all of the hundreds of, you know, outputs it's done prior to it. It's just kind of it – it can look back in the history and go, oh, okay, I know what Ben wants to do. Here you go. Yeah. So, yeah. it's But like I said, I've, I've only been really playing around with it for probably the last five, six months, and it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. And I believe for the free version, we're using ChatGPT 3 or 3.5, and they're working on 4 or 4.5 or, or something. So – Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, let's start to wind down because, like I said, we are going long and I'll be up till bloody midnight waiting for Zoom to get it all done. So on to our quips. This week's quips, um, as I said last week, we are pretty much run out of quips. So if you want to win yourself a very easy prize, and especially because we're coming up on October, I'll start um, pushing out Halloween signs and that. Again, um, all you have to do is click on the link in the description and let us know a question, insight, provocation, or statement that you'd like us to cover on this show. Um, this week, Joey Wilson ponders, in quotes, after all of the cycles for the totems are finished and the protom is traded for stem, I wonder, meaning Joey wonders, if the totems will have any other use other than a map asset. He also wonders if STEM will be like Spark or if we will be able to sell it. Hmm. End quote. All right. A few things there. So we do know that totems are going to produce a certain amount of protum. Once that's exhausted, then they just become map assets. Protum is going to be tradable eventually one-to-one -one for STEM. So the pondering there is, will totems have any other use other than a map assets? In layer one, no. Um, 
Not really, uh, unless you're, of course, we do know that map, map assets boost your neighborhood collection score, but clearly not that much. Um, so there's that. I believe probably if you're talking about life for totems once they're finished, their protem, it'll be things like it's just you got a good mint number, it's a scarcity, people are collectors, they like to collect things. Um, the biggest thing for those probably will be layer two experiences. If somebody from the community or some kind of partner or something decides to do something with them in layer two, other than that, you're just going to have a look, a bunch of spent wolves and toucans and llamas and all the rest of it around the map. That's all that I'm aware of. Zoe, anything else on your radar of life for totems after STEM? Um, uh, I can't say to be sure. Yeah, I think layer two is probably the biggest opportunity there, aside from layer one collectors. I yeah. know that Evergreen plan on putting majority of our totems in the garden district. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about later on. I would say it's like with most things where they will give us a base and then, you know, the community is going to have to build off that. Yeah, that makes sense. And the other thing Joey pondered was, wonders if STEM will be like Spark or if we will be able to sell it. Uh, wow. I would be very, very doubtful. I think STEM is, obviously we don't have a lot of details, but I think STEM is just going to be pretty much Spark 2.0, except it's going to be manufacturing living things. That's kind of been the vibe from the get-go. Um, are we going to be able to stake our stem on other people's things that they're trying to build, whether I'm oh, sorry, grow? I'm not sure. I would assume so if it's going to be like Spark. The biggest thing, of course, is third-party staking, which is still not a thing for Spark. So, you know, you, you can't go and – Zoe can't go and help me out on one of my factories to produce stuff at present, um, which kind of sucks. It's one of those things that would completely – revitalize the spark market so not sure on that one joey needless to say though just for taking the time out of your day to push that through you've grabbed yourself five thousand upx thank you for Woo. that midtown terrace news um nothing to report this week as i said we're not building anything and we're certainly not gonna make a push to go for the neighborhood ratings we're just gonna wait and see the biggest kind of news we're waiting on for mid-10 terrace is of course the release of the mtu 100 mid-10 terrace track so would expect hopefully that's going to come out if not in the next couple of weeks hopefully sometime in october have to wait and see um, MVE news, I've made mention of this a couple of times through the show. I recently sat down for another long-form chat for the Metaverse and Beyond podcast and spoke at length with Upland community member Happy MFR. Um, as I mentioned in the blurb for that, Happy MFR and I share a lot of similarities in regards to how, where, and why we're involved in the Web3 space. And also, we both have a tendency to, at times, ride precariously on either side of the FUD waves and the drama that inevitably roll through the Upland community. 
Um, we, of course, discussed his journey into the Upland Metaverse and some insights and outlooks into what we both believe is great and maybe what's not so great about it and some potential avenues that could vastly improve the ecosystem. I had a lot of fun chatting to Happy MFR, um, despite how he sometimes posts like he's like me. He can get a bit um, grumpy in Upland general, shall we say, a bit not exactly funny, but it, you know, we tend to focus on things that we would like improved. Um, but we did get a lot of awesome feedback on that episode so far. So if you haven't checked that one out, uh, make sure you do so. It's on YouTube and Spotify. It's quite a long one. So as I always say, 2x speed or at least 1.5x speed if you can. And that brings us up to the weekly competitions. Uh, last week, the NBA server competition wheel was you had to get yourself into the contest channel in the NBA server and let us know if and how you were going to get involved in crate season 2023. I kind of pulled that topic out of my butt last week as I was kind of thinking about what we could potentially talk about and kind of sparked a bit of conversation. There's a lot of people in the same boat as me where it's just such a laborious bloody process to move all of these crates, which is a shame considering that crate season is upon us. If you don't know what crate season is, we'll go and listen to last week's show. And where is the button for that? There it is. All right, so we did have, who did we have through for that? We had Woy Nasa, Angry Ossia Laban, Maui Mesmi, Swali, Elslack, Caesar Kinder, and Sir Ness. Let's see who's going to win that one. Swali, look at that. He doesn't show up and he wins a prize. <laughs> Swali 129. I'll just write that down. Thank you, mate. Now, as I've got in the habit of doing, Let's see if I can find the right button. Uh, no, doesn't want to play. Oh, no, here we go. Let's see what Swali said. I think he was one of the first, wasn't he? Oh. Swali says, I feel bad that crates are an issue for me. Aren't an issue, I think he meant to say there, as he only owns three. Maybe he needs to step his game up. Absolutely. And I'll read it just because it's there. Elslack said, I'm crateless at the moment, but I'll probably look to get a few soon. Sounds like a real chore. So I'm interested in subjecting myself to the torment you are all experiencing. Yes. And lastly, Caesar said, crates, crates, crates. If I only had more than one, <laughs> then would do the same thing <laughs> like everyone else does and mark my props for hunters. Yes. So, yeah, definitely not an issue if you've only got one or none. That is for sure. So that was last week's challenge. This week's challenge is, again, get yourself in the contest channel of the NBA server and let us know what neighbourhood is your current official home residence in and why. What neighbourhood is your current home residence in and why? If you're not KYC'd and you don't have an official home residence, that's okay. You can still take part. Just let us know that too. Maybe you can let us know why you're not KYC'd. Or if that's too personal, just say, hey, not KYC'd, so can't. And you'll go in the running for next week. So next week is October. So that'll be, I don't know, we'll see where we go. Might be 5,000 up plus a Halloween sign. See what happens. And speaking of that, who do we have in tonight? We only had Laban and Zoe in. So what the hell? I'll just give you both 5,000. I'm not going to run a wheel tonight because I can give away up to 10,000. So Laban and Zoe, 5,000 on the way 
for you as well. Thank you. That's right. And Laban's he's bleeding me dry. Laban and I just did <laughs> before we got kicked off at the show, Laban and I just did a deal for me to get one of his his Japanese cats. So thank you very much. All right, and that brings us to the end. A reminder that if you are in a time zone that fits in with the Wednesday night recording schedule of a starting time of 7.30 p.m. AEST and you'd like to get involved, the link to the weekly Zoom will always be dropped in the NBA server about 15 minutes prior to the show going recorded live. And don't forget that if you have an Upland NFT metaverse product, service, or event to promote, or like Happy MFR, you're just somebody engaged in Web3 and you'd like to have a chat, Opportunities are available for engagement in both this and the new Metaverse and Beyond podcast. Just send me a DM on Discord or drop a comment in the YouTubes to discuss and secure your spots. Anything else you got going on, Zoe? You want to promote? Get out there? Um, no, not really. Everything's still in the works. Um, yeah, yeah. No worries, mate. And like I said, I appreciate you jumping in tonight and save me from gabbing on to myself too much. No, that's all right. That's all right. I'm glad I caught it. I wasn't able to catch the last couple, so. No worries. All right. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you later. Entertainment production is brought to you today by the Samurai Aquatics and Decor Metaventure. Scan that QR code or click that link in the description and dive yourself headfirst into the Samurai Aquatics Discord server to pleasure your peepers on our current and future range of outdoor decor.